Welcome back to Let's Unpack That, your weekly podcast where politically engaged, queer, and questionable millennials unpack world events through the lens of anxiety, depression, and a stunning lack of expertise. Though he didn't get to storm the Capitol, Kirk's shaved lower back has certainly sent him into a Category 5 hurricane of hurt. He's the sound daddy you know and love. Andrew Nagy, how are you and what are you drinking? Oh my god, I am not going to comment on Kirk's lower back, but I am drinking an arrogant bastard ale. But he will drink off of which it. Which I will I will do uh, a butt luge off of. A what? A butt luge? <laughs> butt luge. Ew, never say that again. It's second... I've never shaved my back because I don't have to. So, well, you're also out. one reality show application and one long night in San Francisco away from becoming the next Col- Colton Underwood. He's our pop culture expert, Kirk Wilson. What are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking white wine, much like Colton Underwood probably does as well. And um, I have nothing to say that. That was a really actually pretty accurate read, <laughs> <laughs> like fact based, actually. And she's still wondering why we took Aunt Jemima off the syrup bottles when the Biden administration hasn't given any indication of passing the Justice and Policing Act. She's ready to pop off. She's Erica Ellis. What's in your cup tonight? Oh, my God. Shame and regret for being on this podcast, but um, I have an old fashioned. Fantastic. You have no reaction but that to that? What are you supposed to say? Yeah, I'm not encouraging this bullshit behavior. (laughs) (laughs) I just felt like I was like all these companies from June 2020 onwards, like took these random steps like to say that they were standing with black people. But at the end of this, all we got was Aunt Jemima and like a a non-gendered potato. (laughs) Paul, have you seen season four of selling sunset so like yes but i don't know where this comment's going so i'm tentatively saying yes they aren't calling it a master bedroom anymore mm, mm, mm-hmm. we oh. knew this i think we, we talked about this racism is the primary suite the primary yeah. suite i'm like ah yes i am i'm no longer oppressed <laughs> it honestly like it's embarrassing. Like, there are literal videos of Joe Biden calling George Floyd's, like, family and his daughter and being like, we're going to pass the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. We're going to do this, like, after um, the officer was sentenced. Like, how did we get here? Like, how, how did we, how, like, how have we taken absolutely zero action except for like pure virtue signaling? It's embarrassing. Well, are we shocked? No. Maybe white people, but black people are not shocked. Fair, fair. So Prager University, if you're looking for four new hosts of a new podcast, (laughs) based upon the conversation we just had, it feels so, that's where we're headed. (laughs) Although we'll get that oil money, that sweet, sweet oil money. Mm. You can rub that oil money. You know where you can put it? My back. (laughs) Well, we've got a fantastic show for you lined up this week. Um, We're doing two deeper dives in this podcast. The first thing that we're going to talk about is the Mark Meadows PowerPoint reveal. And if you're not familiar with what that is, you will want to stay tuned because it essentially proves that Donald Trump was knowingly trying to overturn the election and recklessly trying to do so, so much so um, that there was a 34-page PowerPoint from uh, one of his, like, 
pro-Trump caucuses or something like that. Um, and the second segment of the episode is going to be Kirk and I leading a discussion about Coming Out Colton, the new Netflix, which I thought was a movie until I started watching it last night, a six-part series about this. And I hope it turns into 12. It better be 12 part by next week. Oh my God. If we get any more episodes, I'm done. I'm done. There's no one left to come out to. He's come out to the whole fucking world. Erica, if you, and Andrew, I guess, but Erica, if you, (laughs) I need you to watch it. Well, I know we're going to get to it, but you need to watch it because he literally comes out to every scene is just him coming out like he, they truly stuck to the title like it is coming out colton every scene like he, does he not know of a mass text like i don't know why he had to do it like <laughs> he literally went on good morning america and did it like that should have been it like you went on national television this man flew first class to see his high school football coach to come no, out you're which i have thoughts i have thoughts and we'll get into those but wait you mean he spent all this money on something that a nice Facebook post would have complete, like accomplished perfectly? Well, he got paid. He got paid to do all of this. I just... Ugh. If someone had paid me to come out, I would have come out a lot sooner. Let me tell you. <laughs> I would have been coming out when I came out of the womb. Like, if I knew I was getting money out of this. It's ridiculous. Oh, my God. Well, we will be right back with our two main segments of the episode. Um, so stay tuned. Oh, <laughs> Leave it in. Leave it in. (laughs) All right, and we are back with our first segment of the episode, which is all about coming out Colton, an American reality streaming television series which premiered on Netflix on December 3rd, 2021. It's an unscripted series consisting of six episodes that stars Colton Underwood, a reality show personality who was the lead of the 23rd season of The Bachelor in 2019 and who publicly came out as gay in April 2021. Kirk and I had a chance to sit through the episodes, not all of them. It was actually very difficult to get through. I thought they were pretty easy to get through, to be honest. I, well, they were easy to get through, but they were like frustrating. Yeah, to like have to watch yeah. because like we had talked about Colton on this podcast before. We talked about it in April when he came out, and if you don't know, if you don't remember, Colton Underwood was basically like exposed as this serial stalker of one of the other women um, on this uh, reality yeah. show, The Bachelor. Um, her name's Cassie. Um, and he like stalked her for a series of several months. He like put a tracker on her car. Like it, it was this whole thing that sort of like blew up. And then we get this full story, you know, like a year later, he somehow hires like a documentary crew and he's filming himself like coming out. And in a way, it's like a reflection that there are multiple sides to every human. But I didn't get many sides of this particular human. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. I got, yeah. I will kind of say my overall reflection before we get into it is like I we did talk about him when he came out um, or when the news came out that he came out at the show and the show he came out a thousand times. So I don't remember what time I'm talking about here. But when we talked about it before he um, I think we were a little not harsh. We were honest. I'm still honest about it. Like, I think the one thing I did appreciate of the show is they didn't steer away from that. I think I don't think he did a great job of being like I'm taking accountability, but the show production wise like i feel they tried to like they talk about cassie and that whole situation he takes ownership takes ownership but then says he was 
medicated or on drugs or which is, you know, if that happens fine, but there was not a lot of taking ownership, but I feel like they just mentioned things, which I was happy that they did. Um, because I don't want to look like, you know, uh, an elitist gay who is like, Oh, like, you know, just as another white, I mean, white people who are gay need to come out too. So that's why I think I don't want that message coming across. So if they could come across when I, you constantly see people badgering the Colton story, but I just think the, fanfare around it is ridiculous and the fact that there is a show like it kind of is it's ridiculous as a show this could have been like a 15 minute instagram documentary on his instagram you know what i mean like didn't need to be this whole produced long series for him to get paid is what it was could have been um, could have been a notes app could have been, could a, notes have been app. a notes app but it <laughs> turned into more than that and, and it was just like the same story with everyone over and over again there was no like it would be cool what, what if they had done like coming out cold and then he like featured all these like you know, homeless youth and like other not rich gay people and all an array of and old gays and young, all, like, the whole thing of everyone coming out in their stories. And that's what coming out Colton was about, not just him. It was just like him coming out constantly to different people and the story was the same. And I don't know, I just feel like there was not a lot of depth to it at all. And then there were just moments that Paul will get into that were quite ridiculous. Like so many moments that were just like laughable. Like within the first three minutes, you're like getting this, scenario where he is sitting down with his mom and he starts every coming out story with obviously this year has been a lot for me okay he's talking about the fact that he was accused of stalking a woman yeah. that's like that's what that he's was saying only, i went into that was only like 2020 like i thought that was like 2018 or something that was 2020 yeah. it was not that yeah. long ago no it's not that long ago and like so he's filming this in 2020 i presume yeah and um we're like no, i didn't see any masks i didn't see any masks anywhere to be honest no not a mask in sight in this entire just the mask for masks but i didn't see any mask <laughs> yes and he keeps just saying i've been struggling with my sexuality i was starting to hurt other people outside of myself you know he talks about like just these different like themes and trends but again there's like no real depth like there's no there's no depth to this gay character that we are not getting more from like in a love simon show or a right. love victor show like those shows go so much deeper than this like all i'm thinking of he's sitting down his mom to talk about something in the middle of his accusations of being a stalker and i'm thinking what does the mom think she's about to hear like where did the camera crew from come from what did they think of the intent like is it like she keeps saying well there's a thousand things going through my head but i don't want to say any of them i'm like no shit because there's a camera crew right next to her now that's why I, I wonder if with I, I thought that with hers with a lot of them like were they were they you have to think maybe were they prepped did he come out to them before how i don't i because like basically guys every time he came out he said like paul said it was like that and then he would just say i i i guess i guess this is me coming out and that's all he said like to every single person they're like what like if they had no warning of it it's very weird that that is i know it's uncomfortable to come out and it totally is like i don't know what i said when i said it and it's really hard to say the words you're gay but like he just he says it in such a nonchalant way that they're expecting this right but i don't right. think that they're they were i mean i don't know why they would be is unless they knew before because he's never really shown a sign. I mean, I don't think, I don't know him, but like he went on a show to, to marry a woman nationally. Like, I don't think that he showed signs, signs of like, I'm coming out soon. No, I agree. And like, it's, it's this piece of like, you're watching the pieces of him come out to other people. So he comes out to his mom, then I think his friend, and then I think his brother, and then maybe his father. Those were like the four big ones that you get in the first kind of two-ish episodes. And of course, the first episode like 
cuts with him saying, I'm gay, dad. And then it like cuts to the next one. And you're Black like, screen. I guess Black I'm supposed screen. to watch. The I mean, it really, I mean, I did. That's why I watched this. I mean, one. I did too, but you know. <laughs> so he's coming out to all these people. But then at the same time, we're meeting Gus Kenworthy, who's an Olympic medalist, who's a, a, a skier, I think maybe snowboarder or skier. I don't know. Um, so he's also out publicly gay. At what point did him and Colton become friends? Right. And then he Colton came out to him and then Gus became his guide. Like was was Colton actively out as somebody in a like Hollywood-esque scene and then met Gus Kenworthy on this podcast, I think he said, or this interview that they were doing together. And I'm like, at what point did we decide to make this documentary? At what point did yeah. we decide to produce this thing? At what point, like, what is all the backstory here? Because it had to have been, if it, if this is honestly him coming out to all these people, it had to happen before he came out on TV. Him coming out on TV is in the series. So, and if it's chronological, then this was filmed before he came out. Therefore, this was filmed to then sold to Netflix or something. I don't think it was Netflix produced originally, probably, unless, I don't know, unless they spoke to Netflix before he came out. I don't, who knows? But it felt very, it just felt so weird. There was no, like, like setup. Like, it was like, Gus Kenworthy was just there. And he was like, <laughs> here I am, girl. Like, I'm here to tell you what a cisgendered... teach you about daddies. To tell like, you what a cisgendered male is. Like That's what I was going to say. Like, I think we should reflect around the Gus Kenworthy of it all Kenworthy, first. Yeah. Because... Like there's this, this, like, he's talking to him about like Gus casually mentions, you know, it's harder for black people to come out just a blip in the first episode and never mentioned again, you know? And then he talks about like, um, daddies and, and, and then he's like, oh, I'm like, and then Colton's like, I think I'm in a daddies. I'm an older man. I'm like, okay, so you know what daddies is. And then, and then like Gus mentions the word cisgender and Colton goes, cisgender what's that and i was like are, are we trying to do some type of education they around? threw everything in at once so i genuinely believe colton underwood did not know what cisgendered meant which is fine i at one point in my life i did not either but if you're right that scene felt very like let's just educate the masses but like only a little and like leave them on edge and then jump to the next one really quickly because we don't really know enough about it i feel was kind of what it was and paul we were watching at the same time and he was text you were texting me and um one comment you made was like this feels like it's very much like i've never met a gay before 101 like the whole the whole series it's like very 2010 or like this is it's not very forward it's not very like with the current time given the past two years at all and it's just like very like if the first person watching this is somebody that's never met a gay person which and then i thought maybe that's that that's like the audience of like the bachelor i mean i think a lot i mean i, I think it's a big middle of the country show i don't know but i i mean I have girlfriends that watch it but other than that i don't really hear about it that much and i feel like maybe those people will tune in because they like colton or they remember him in the show and this will be their introduction into lgbtq culture which is sad but it maybe that's the point of it which it's sad we're still at that point which is what i what i think i remember saying last night but me, I think we are, or, or parts of the world are, and parts of the country are. So maybe that's what this serves as. But it, I don't. It was just fucking bizarre. Paul, you need to talk about the. Um, I don't think I made it this far. Talk about the priest. Oh, I think I did. You did. You have a text. Maybe Paul blacked out while he was watching the show. I may have. <laughs> Erica, were you going to say something earlier too? Girl, that thought has left the building. Oh God. It was around. You were saying it was around um, black people coming out. Yeah. Yeah. This guy, Gus, is white, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I think the fact that they say it as a comment and then it never comes up again is so much more disingenuous than them not saying it at all. It was like, all right, 
we're going to check off this box and then we're going to move on with this man coming out to his fucking football coach. Yeah, that yeah. was just the football coach of it all was so weird. I, I, if I know if nobody watches the thing, just watch that scene, find it somewhere because it's like I get he he says they're close. I don't think they really are if you really watch it. But he goes back to his high school and then he like mentor or he like jumps in a coaching session of the high school kids and then he like talks to the coach and comes out to him. Same similar thing. He's just like I'm coming out to you and it's like okay, dude, I haven't talked to you in ten years, but okay. And it's very like, I never went back in my life to like people in my life that were important at one point in my life. And like, I need to tell them I'm gay. Like that was not something I felt I ever had to do. Maybe that's something he, but it felt very like, let's just go back to his high school and film that and have him talk to his football coach because football was such a big part of his life. And like, that's the way we can tie it in. But it was just very, it felt so not necessary and and not real, I guess. Yes. And I, I think to your like to both of your points, like Erica, you talked about like the like it just generally sort of being like surface level. And you talked about just the fact that like if you just if you don't cover, you know, any of the struggle of other types of queer people, you're missing a huge aspect of the story. And maybe they tie that in in the very last bit. But like it's not something that I got to. There was this specific moment in the documentary where I realized just like how disconnected it is from like the queer community and from queer culture where they they throw this coming out party for Colton. And I think they're in like Nashville or something like that. And they're on this like bus and there's this group of white gay men on a bus. They're touring with a, a black drag queen, Jaden Dior Fierce from uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. And like all of a sudden, like she leaves and the, she's like, oh, I have to go to a show. And then he's like, I've never been to a drag show. But then like she's gone. I don't know if they went to the drag show and it just was left on the editing floor. But then they go to this like hotel suite somewhere. And it's a group of like mostly white gay men like and they start playing ping pong and they're like they're taking off their shirts and hitting the ping pong balls on each other's backs like their bare backs to like leave a mark. And then there's like, it's this so like weird, like hyper masculinity thing that I was like, you can only get this because you have one Olympian and one like former football player, like both out and gay, like just sort of like broing out with one another. I was like, I have never been in a queer space where this is the like norm, norm or happens, happens. I don't think it happens. No, I don't think it happens either. I mean, I'm yeah, no, no. I'm not I'm not saying that there are not athletic gay men who like sports, but the majority of the queer community is a lot of people who may be interested in sports or or go to sporting events. But I was like, I've never seen like gay men like rip off their shirts and be like, I'm going to give you a well on your back, bro. And like, haha, like laugh and like dick each other around like that and it was so that that was me acting straight um and then there's there's this whole conversation after they start playing the ping pong stuff where like they're like talking about food and then colton's like well it's a carb thing for me i don't eat those and i was like what the fuck like i was like what like like in what world should we be watching these rich famous white gay men like just celebrate one another and not talk about the fact that like body issues are huge in the queer community, you know, or talk about the fact that like non-monogamy is like, well, like, it, they did talk about that a little bit at one point in the documentary, but like they, it's just, it felt so like surface level without any 
deep expression of queerness versus a show like we're here on hbo max does like that's a show that where drag queens go into small towns they meet people they put them in drag for the first time to help them overcome pieces of shyness it's like a version of queer eye but with drag queens and it's it's just a beautiful celebration of blackness and queerness and 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 people being trans it, it it's like and then we're supposed to get this narrative, you know, that it's like, it, it, it's like, oh, well, like, I'm not ready to have sex at my coming out party. And they're all like, oh, well, I want you to. And I was like, this is just such unhelpful conversation. And then we shift to the priest. It, it, it goes back into his religious trauma and his, his, you know, religious issues with being queer. And, and I think, Kirk, you probably had a bit of a reaction to that. Yeah, and I think that that... That's a good, I didn't even think of it. I mean, I did think of it this way, but like, I mean, I guess it's like, what was the goal of this show? Like what was, was it pure entertainment for Colton Underwood to show people he's gay or was it supposed to accomplish something for him and for the viewers? And I don't know if it does that. I think it it, it feels like it's just like, this is his coming out story that's hyper-produced and um, that's all it is. Like, I don't know if it's, I, I think, but I think they like advertised it and wanted it to be more. Like they're like, here's his gay guide. And here are other NFL players who were gay and here is this and here's that. But it's like, no, I, that didn't come through. Like, not at, like, like the gay guide should have been like, this is what the community is. And that's that that never came through. And it was very much like this is Colton put in different situations while he's coming out. And that's just what it is. And and I don't know. Like, what's the point of that? Like you're getting we're getting paid. He's getting paid to get to the show just to come out. Like there's no follow up. There's no like lesson to be learned. There's no help for the LGBTQ community. It's just very um, self-serving for him. And I was actually texting a girlfriend of mine um, who was a huge Bachelor person. And she, she was watching it while I was watching it. I told her I was watching it. And I love her. And she just, but she made a comment. And I think this is probably a common thing amongst people who are follow, who followed the story and watched The Bachelor and like would watch this, I guess, because they know who he is. Like, I don't think like a random person knows who this guy is. Unless you're in the queer community now, you know who he is. And if you're a Bachelor fan, um, but she was like, I don't know. I don't, I'm watching like episode two. I just don't really buy that he's fully gay. I think he still likes women. Like he likes women, right? Like that. And I'm sure that probably keeps happening. I don't know if this is really evolving the, or helping people understand what it means to be gay or queer or in the community. And because if this is their, their lens through it, they're probably like, I don't know. I mean, I saw him on a dating show with women. I can't get past that. And like, he's just doing this. Like, I think he's may, maybe he's bi or he likes women. Like that's, I, I, when she said that, I was like, you know what? Like, I almost don't blame you for saying that because I feel like, you, you know, like that's probably what people think. Right. Like, I also don't feel like I felt the right version of queer for me when I was first coming out. I certainly would have not wanted a, a television show. That's the point. Like, was he there? Is he like, there? Like, what for depth that? do you have as a queer person when you literally subscribe to one of the most heteronormative things in the world, the show The Bachelor, which I think is totally entertaining. And if you watch it, like uh, I, I do too sometimes, like I think it's hilarious. I just like that is is a dating show for people to end up and possibly get married and enga or en en engaged or married. This is like you went through that process in 2019. We don't need your coming out story. Just be gay. Just yeah. be queer. Just learn on your own. You don't have to be in a public space. You can make this later on when you've like done a little bit of homework. And I said like, we did not, I, I know I texted this to you, Kirk, while we were watching it. They did not get to the Stonewall Inn and the uprisings of the queer community until 22 minutes into episode five. Like the, the second to last episode. Like 
at one point we're in a church and his friend is singing a song and he talks about God putting signals in his life and he talks about he wants the support from the Christian community even though he's queer and he doesn't get that from his pre and I'm like okay like I guess that's an important story to let people know that they may not get support from their priest but I'm also like that could scare a lot of fucking people from never coming out yeah they watch that scene <laughs> just yeah that's right and he and it, it was kind of weird because he kept saying that I'm thinking about it like through the show like when he was in the high school he's looking at all these kids he's like you know I, those kids one or two or three or four five of these kids might be going through what I was going through and I want to help them like what did you what did you do here to help them like and he kept saying stuff like that like so do it yeah, or like, like guys and, yeah like like I wish I'd come out when I, there was rumblings of this person in the NFL being gay and I did nothing about it but I want to do something now it's like well I don't really know what this is like how is this doing that I guess and it's kind of your point maybe he should have sat back had his experience and then found another way to do this at some point um through social media or through work he could do on his own or like whatever like working with organizations but I don't really to me this was just like uh, it was just a show it was literally just a tv show with a terrible storyline send him on the gay version of like love island or something you know <laughs> and I can't get over the guide and I don't really have thoughts on Gus Kenworthy at all but just like the, that they like the, the role of that was that was not a guide whatsoever that was not a guide I'm I don't even know. Like, I I think Gus Kenworthy has done some pretty cool philanthropic work. I also don't know that, like, telling people that they're going to have a guide getting them through this is also helpful. I wouldn't say that I had a guide. Coming no, out. and especially for young kids. I mean, for young, young, young kids that want to come out, like, most likely you don't have a guide. No, and most likely, like, not in the towns that... Colton himself right, grew up in. Right, right, yeah, right. I, I don't know what Gus Kenworthy's piece of this was other than just to ask him questions about like topping, bottoming, cisgender, daddy's non-monogamy. He literally wore a shirt the whole time as a dad on it. Did you notice that? Yes. His confessional shirt said dad. Yeah. I, like, I hate this. And that's what someone, that's what somebody who doesn't know the culture is going to take away with them. Oh, they just call old people dads and like. right. Like that's bad. They're gonna think it's bad, and they're they're we're misusing the word dad, and now we're exactly. incestual. Like that's where it's gonna go. And like for me, again, I, I realize that there's a sexual fantasy of using the word daddy. I understand that, uh, but like for me, a lot of times when people call someone else daddy in the queer community, it's very reductive to the fact that like we don't have a lot of older men in the community because a lot of them fucking died of AIDS. And I just like where the where was that part of this yeah they they didn't i mean from what i watched i didn't see any of that i didn't see any of it either like and so i just i think that it's a missed opportunity they told the colton story and they told us that by the title that it was going to be coming out colton and i don't know why we would expect anything else and i knew we were going to go into it hate watching but none of this felt hard for him No, even the reaction, I mean, which is great that the reaction from his parents, if those are genuine reactions, they were fine reactions. I mean, the dad's reaction was great. Like it was, it was, it was super welcoming and not as scary as he thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. But like, that's it. I don't, I just didn't, there, there was like little moments like that. that. I was like, oh, that's nice for him that his dad supports him. But like, what does that mean for everyone else that's going to come out to their dad? Like he could have said something about that. You said it to me, Kirk. I didn't realize this. Like, is your dad really going to disown you when you're the one paying your dad's bills? Right. I mean, that's an assumption, legal note, assuming, but, <laughs> but I'm assuming he's paying his, and I'll pay his, the dad's bills because I was into the dad. <laughs> not to be reductive, not to be reductive, but season two coming out, Colton's dad. <laughs> With Kirk. With Kirk me as his guide. guide. Kirk is the Gus Kenworthy. The gay guide and the gay ride. Let me tell you. 
So, <laughs> Erica and Andrew, would you consider watching? <laughs> Absolutely the fuck not. <laughs> well, that's because Andrew's homophobic. Yeah, that I is true. I be watching for the same reason. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, probably not. And that's also to say, like, I just, I, like, I just don't care about the person. Like, it's not like he's someone that has any particular interest to me. He's a cisgender white gay. So it's not like his, uh, you know, it's not like he hasn't been represented um, in other ways in the media. I didn't watch The Bachelorette or The Bachelor or whatever the fuck he was on. Oh my God, my cat just made the strangest noise. Anyway, same Sandy. Um, But I didn't, like, I don't have any connection to this man from a pop culture standpoint. And so it's funny because I was thinking about this and like, you know, I want you guys to answer, but when you saw that this was a thing that existed, what demographic did you immediately think this was made for? White women. Yeah. These are the same women who will meet a gay man two times and call him their gay BFF. Like, the, I don't think that this is necessarily made for an audience that is truly invested in the community. And I don't think that it was made to do anything except for tell like a lighthearted story with a couple like not so lighthearted notes, but it still ends with a happy ending. I yeah. say that none of us have seen the ending. <laughs> no. Well, based on his Instagram, it seems like there was a happy ending. He has a boyfriend that's 10 years older than him, so he got his daddy-ish, and he's living his life. So, I mean, if only, if only. Him. it seemed like a fairy tale, actually. I know. I'm over here like, okay, I've been struggling for free. But this is I'll my wait, thing. Like, I'll wait for the OnlyFans. I'll wait for the OnlyFans. This is my thing. Like, I'm, I'm fine with, like, I mean, this, coming from, this is Erica, I'm, I'm going to say for Erica says it, coming from a cisgendered white gay male i'm fine with like cisgender white gay males like getting opportunity and i'm not like if he if he's gonna get the show which i think is not necessary let him have this show but like the netflix should be making more shows that are telling different stories and that are more important stories and that are more helpful stories with different types of lgbtq um people whether they're of, of different races or, or different genders or different incomes or just more more realistic stories that affect everyday people that are relatable to everyday people that go through these struggles. That's what they need to do. If he gets his one show, whatever. But I, and I just think that it's the issue is that doesn't happen. The issue is this is what gets, this is what gets rewarded. And my bigger issue was the whole situation that he had prior to it of the stalking and all that kind of stuff that kind of just like, was like, okay, whatever, we're still going to give him a show. Um, And his just the behavior prior um, that, that I would argue if a, a gay black man had done i don't know if he would get a show if he was stalking a girlfriend for months and put gps in her car and following her move would that black gay man get a show i don't think so i like, mean people are still coming after karamo for having a child with a woman yeah and they're kind of like oh well you're a deadbeat blah 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 so it's yeah. like we, this is someone who has done far less um has not hurt anyone or put anyone at fear and I've seen more about, you know, just him living his life and making a decision for himself than Colton Underwood causing someone at the very least emotional harm. Yeah. 
And there was no contrition. It kind of just like happened. And then he came out and then he got his show. Like, that's, I think the bigger issue was like, he came out and then it was like, oh, oh, he's gay. We got to like, you know, help him. But it was like, there's no contrition to the fact of what happened before. And I, and I don't know. I think it's The Netflix just, special was announced the week after he came out. Maybe, yeah. maybe even shorter. It's yeah. all timed. It's all produced. That's also to say, I've heard from many a white women um, and seen on Twitter from many white women that they were kind of like, well, does it even matter if he was stalking her, if he was gay? Like, right. It, right. Yes, it matters. Yes, just it matters. It totally matters. Just because it wasn't sexual doesn't mean it's okay. And we don't know. It might have <laughs> I mean, I mean, he he admitted, he said in the show, in the, in the series, that Cassie was the one I guess so he didn't end up with her on the show. She left the show is what I learned from this show is that he was like, she's, I fell in love with her. Or I thought I did. And I was like, this is the one that's going to change me and make me not gay. And then she left the show because she didn't feel feelings for him. And then he was like, if she can't do it for me, then nobody can. And that might be why he acted the way he acted. So like, that is not okay. <laughs> like he yeah. was like, you, you didn't make me straight. So I'm gonna come after you. Like what? Like, babe, I don't think anyone was going to make you straight because they're too busy, I don't know, being gay. Well, let me tell you, I would love someone to make me straight after watching that series. So if anyone out there is able to do it, please call me and let me let me get my Netflix series of Coming Back in Kirk. <laughs> Coming Back in Kirk. Wow. On that note, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk about our favorite person, Donald Trump and his... Fellow. His Coming Out series? <laughs> No, but didn't when didn't Eric come out as bi? Accidentally? Oh my god! And then went back in. <laughs> yeah, he said, "My, I'm part of the LGBTQ community." I was like, "Oh, oh. so we'll be right back." <laughs> We are back, and in this segment, we are going to talk about some bombshell reporting out of Washington, D.C., specifically as it relates to the January 6th commission. And this is important stuff, so listen up as Andrew and Erica unpack all of it. Andrew, let's start with you. We knew that this is the way it was, but we just didn't have any evidence, like hard evidence, other than the pattern of the last five years of Trump's behavior and his administration's behavior. So the committee has received this 36 or 38 page PowerPoint document, which the fact that it's a PowerPoint is fucking hilarious to me because how tacky is it? That no, it- the fact that it's 36 slides in a PowerPoint <laughs> And the reason why uh, 36 or 38 is is being thrown around is there's actually a couple different versions of this thing that are floating around. Um, the origins of it aren't super clear, but they seem to be inspired by this guy named, I don't even know how to pronounce this, Joven Hutton Pulitzer. And he's this guy, I had never heard of him before this, but apparently he was part of all of the election fraud bullshit that happened. He was part of what was going on in Georgia. And he also inserted himself into the Arizona audit situation. He claimed to be some sort of document pattern recognition expert, whatever that means. And 
was trying to tie this whole thing back to China and Venezuela and claiming that it was this globalist socialist plot to install a Chinese ally in the presidency. So he was around saying all this bullshit for a while. And all of that bullshit is in this document. Although the authorship is not clear, it's clearly at least influenced by this guy who is this very strange grifter. He has this long history of very strange things. So at one point he went by the name Jeffrey Joven Filial for, I have no reason why there's a name change. It's not explained in the articles I read. He invented some kind of cat shaped barcode scanner that flopped. He invented some other things and tried to patent some things. He's done a bunch of weird shit to try to make money. Not the cat shaped barcode scanner. Yeah. I'm kind of into that. I I buy it. It's called a Q cat. If you want to look it up, just Google that shit. Um, Then at one point he became what he called a treasure hunter and was hunting for the lost Ark of the covenant. Um, He even (laughs) spent time on the history channel um, claiming that he had discovered some kind of Roman sword in Nova Scotia that is most likely a hoax. He also, of course, sold quartz crystals for spiritual healing um, and, and wrote a bunch of bullshit books, including one titled How to Cut Off Your Arm and Eat Your Dog, plus other recipes for survival. So this guy is uh, mildly insane, and he is where a lot of these ideas that ended up in this PowerPoint came from. I mean, the the PowerPoint's huge. There's a lot of stuff in there. But the big thing about it is basically it it lays out the plan for how to, they think, you know, whoever authored this thing thinks that they can stop the election from happening, um, which was what the January 6th insurrection was about, is people going there and thinking that if they somehow convinced Mike Pence to say he didn't certify the election, he could install these different electors and get a different result, which the whole thing was basically just ceremonial, like hoity-toity bullshit. Like there there wasn't really anything procedural about it that Mike Pence could have done at that point. Um, He was just there as a figurehead to like say, oh yes, the election is certified. Like it was decided at that point. So the things that we see in this PowerPoint are the things that people were saying on January 6th. And it seems like maybe it also was circulating out there in the wild as well, and not just in the administration. It's just wild. It, it, it shows to me that this administration was just so incompetent and disorganized and loosey-goosey that they let people like this Joven Hutton Pulitzer guy and the My Pillow dude and Sidney Powell influence what the government of the United States, the administration of the fucking president of the United States were doing and thinking. And that filters out to the general population and the voting base, Trump's voting base, picked up on all of this stuff. All those keywords, globalist and socialist, you know, and it's all to deflect away from the real things that were happening. You know, every country out there that has any kind of influence and power, they're all fucking with each other. They're all, we fuck with other people's elections. 100% that happens. 
other countries fuck with our elections. Um, I think usually it's background noise, um, at least in our elections. Obviously, the U.S. has <laughs> certainly substantially overturned and influenced other countries' elections for very negative results. Um, but definitely in 2016, there's strong evidence of, of Russian interference. And this kind of thing takes away scrutiny from that and turns it into a different d- direction. I mean, we absolutely should criticize China for a whole laundry list of things, but using keywords like socialist just feeds into that narrative of the radical left and anything left of hunting down homeless people is this scary communist thing that we should be terrified of. What did you take away from this, Erica? I think by and large, I think it's, it truly shows the extent to which stupidity prevails within this country. I want all of the listeners, TM, to put themselves in a room where you are sitting and it is cold and it is dark and someone pulls up a slideshow presentation and in the bottom left fucking corner, you see one of 36. You know that I think the title itself was bullshit. And you have to think to yourself, holy shit. (laughs) I have 35 more slides of this. I think it truly shows how intentional January 6th was. Um, and not that this is anything that I think half of the country has is disputing, which was that it was the initial plan was to overturn the election. And there are people who were involved, who were at the White House level, and they knew to the to which extent this was going to happen. And they just let it happen. The fact that this is in our news, I think... We've always known that there's been a turning point for this country in how we handle politics um, and how we handle public discourse about politics. But I think this is truly showing that, you know, it is okay to be unhinged and it's fucking not. I mean, I'm unhinged, but that's, I go to therapy for it, but I digress. Um, That's to say that it is okay to, have such extremist ideology because it does exist in the highest offices of our land. And I think that, you know, by way of how things are going now, I don't see there being a second Biden term. Um, And I hope that's a result of him choosing not to run for a second term in a more uh, progressive candidate is, is put, um, as the choice for the DNC. But I think that right now the Republican Party as a whole is very disjointed. And I think that whoever they come up with next um, is trending to be another Trump-esque figure. Um, I know people have been throwing out Kyle Rittenhouse 20, whenever the fuck he's old enough. And that sounds so absurd now, but I think if we got to that point with the way that we're trending, Kyle Rittenhouse would probably feel like a safe, insane option. Um, And that's scary to think of. And it's scary that this is the direction that we're going towards. And it's even scarier to think that there are so many people who are watching this happen, like chief of staff being Mike Meadows, And that this is sitting within the ranks. There are people who are still in power that have been mentioned that, again, are within these ranks. So it's, I'm very curious to see what 2024 looks like. I think it is going to be 
either the most ridiculously tame election of our life or the most fucking buck wild election um, in our life. And I think that until we fully hold the thugs in charge of the January 6th insurrection um, fully accountable, I would not be shocked if we see something to this degree again. I agree. And last week we talked about headlines about the Patriot Front marching and how 2017 and the Unite the Right rally was this high watermark for white nationalist groups in this country. They all came together and um, thankfully it it fizzled out at that point because that was such a disaster of a rally and there was a lot of public backlash to that. But now it's coming back again. And I think the same thing is going to happen with January 6th is it was kind of a clown show. People there were pretty unfocused and uh, there wasn't really like definitive leadership. And, uh, you know, it seemed like the administration, like best case scenario is they kind of let it happen. And, you know, there was definitely some instigation there, but they weren't really trying to push it forward and and it all just kind of fell apart and became this big stupid fucking thing you know now we know what the mistakes were and the next Mm -hmm. time that this happens is it going to be worse um because there i mean a, a lot of people have are facing some sort of criminal charges and some sort of backlash, but you know, there, they were people there that are on the ground that day and they're going to get light sentences or, you know, there's not that much that they can be charged with, but the people like Trump, you know, even Don jr. Tweeting things that day, like those people are not going to face any consequences for that kind of thing. And the people who wrote this PowerPoint aren't going to face any kind of consequences for that thing. The fucking, my pillow guy is still, running around pulling his dick on national television all over the fucking place. Like that guy's such an asshole. Um, and, and this is going to coalesce again and it's going to be worse the next time. So what you're right. What are we going to get in, in 2024? Is it going to be Trump again? It's very possible. Trump was absurd the first time and now nothing is absurd. Is it going to be one of his kids? It's going to be Ron DeSantis it's very likely whoever is going to be the Republican candidate is going to be some type of Trump surrogate if it isn't Trump himself. And now we have this blueprint and it's, it's, it's funny. I mean, all of this stuff is so absurd. It's beyond parody. If it had been written into uh, a West wing script, it would have been scrapped because it's fucking ridiculous, but it's also like, you know, looking beyond the absurdity and the hilarity of it, it's dark. Like this whole thing was about basically how to overthrow the government. And people are going to say that's hyperbole or that's an overreaction, but it was explaining in, in its own logic. It doesn't make sense in the real world, but in its own logic, it was saying how Trump could and Mike Pence could have shut down the certification process. They could have seized the ballots. They could have installed their own electors. Um, Trump could have should have declared a state of emergency. How do you come back from that? If those things had happened, then we would have had the executive branch in control of an election and in control of the government in a way that has never happened before. And we have these three branches of government because they're all supposed to keep everybody in balance. And I think we're playing with fire and the Republicans are going along with Trumpism to their own detriment, I think, because 
one, we we don't have a viable conservative wing of the government anymore. You know, there's no push and pull. Like the only option is a bunch of neoliberals um, who say they're going to pass reforms and then don't. Like the only option is the people who don't do shit. And on the other side, we have literal insanity because they just want to win elections and they're too afraid to stand up to these insane elements of the right wing party. And it's this the fringes that are pushing out into the mainstream and becoming the norm. And as bad as some of those conservatives are who are not really part of it, um, they are going along with it. And, and that makes them even worse. And, you know. How is that going to benefit them? Because it's off with their heads too if that happens because for somebody like Trump or any authoritarian like that, unquestioning loyalty is the name of the game. Um, so anybody who even you know thought a negative thought about him – I mean I'm thinking of Ted Cruz who criticized Trump nonstop before he became the candidate and as soon as he became the candidate, he started sucking Trump's little toesies. Mm -hmm. I mean, the man's a fucking cuck. I never, ever <laughs> want to hear you say, first off, the word toesies, just on its own. And then Trump's toesies, and then sucking Trump's toesies. That's that's how offensive that is. I held my I, breath when that sentence started. <laughs> I was like, ooh, we're about to spiral with this sentence. <laughs> but it is, like, I just think you're, you're, there's, this, there's this aspect of it where they know how ridiculous it was last time. They know that like it couldn't work, that that so many things had to be in place for it to work, where now what they're trying to do is get a hold and control of the state legislatures and get control of the state election boards. And that's why you have people like Steve Bannon, who is completely complicit in the QAnon movement and complicit, obviously, in the insurrection as well. I believe he gave a speech like the night before. Like you have all these people now running to take control of the election commissions and there won't need to be an insurrection if they can just overturn them on the day of the election. You know, there's not going to be any capital to storm because they'll have already done everything that they need to take control. And that is scary because then that just puts us in a completely powerless position. And that's why all of us need to encourage people in our life to run for these positions because like what Raffensperger or whatever his name was in Georgia was like one of the last holdouts. Was he, wasn't he going to certify the results? And they did it like four, five, six times. That was like the last line of defense, you know, to just overturning the individual state's results. And if you overturn the state's results, flip the election in your favor, there's no need to storm the Capitol. And it's horrifying. It's like really terrifying. I think that we can all sit around and make every single assumption about 2024 I think we're all just gonna sit there kind of mouths wide open like I can't believe like I think that all of 2024 is going to be like that January 6th feeling where you're like this isn't happening like this is gonna get shut down we're not gonna let this happen and then it's fucking happening for hours on end I know, I know. what also I think comes down to with 2024 like 
and this is a whole other thing we can unpack one day. We have a lot of time before then, but of like, who is going to be there running? Like, who is going to be running on the Democrat side? Who's going to be running on the Republican? I think it's going to be another year of like 17 people on each side. Like, I think the Republicans, I could name like 17 right now. They're probably going to run. And then the different Democrats, I feel like it's going to be the same we've been seeing, hopefully newer people, but that's going to play a role in it too, I feel. I think so. I think to Andrew's point, like, when you go through the primary process, you only need 30% of the votes to win. Yeah. And so if you have a bunch of people splitting the votes, you guarantee Trump if Trump runs or a Trump surrogate. And it's like, fuck, here we go again. You know, and if the party decides to run Biden and Harris again, it certainly seems like their plan right now. I don't know why they would say any otherwise, of course. But, you know, if they plan to run those two again, Who's to say it's like, yeah, I've kind of been unhappy. Gas prices, inflation, you know, the X hasn't gotten done. Y hasn't gotten he's done. He's too old. Loans. Yeah, he's too old. She's, she's done nothing. She's done nothing because her coverage has been terrible. You're going to be like, ah, I mean, it's not Trump, even if they feel identical. Because Trump was somebody who was already well known. You could you already knew that man was a shitty person when he announced his candidacy, but people just vibed with the fuck the system approach, you know, and obviously tapped into a, quite a bit of racism. But um, I don't know. Maybe it'll be Hillary. We can only wish. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, she's too busy doing master class. Honestly, she read that was her. That was her. Like, if you, if you pay for the master class, she says she announced she's running. She's running. I don't know if you know that. Stop. No, I'm kidding. You I also didn't pay for it, people. We, we are not sponsored by Masterclass. I'm kidding, but <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, in a wet dream of mine, she runs and wins. My wet dreams never come true. So I feel sad if those are your wet dreams. I think you and Ghislaine Maxwell have the same wet dreams. Oh, no. <laughs> I need to go. At least my wet dreams don't involve Trump's little Trump. I can't even speak. Trump's little Trump's Tums trozies. <laughs> I wonder um, what his feet look like. I, 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 well, oh see, my god! On that done. note, on that note, he might ra- rival mine. To be honest, I, oh no. I, on that note, we'll be back for our final segment of the episode. Pack it up. Jesus Christ! Jesus Christ! Welcome back to our final segment of the episode, Pack It Up. This is the segment where we highlight a person, an organization, or something in pop culture that needs to pipe down and pack it up. Everyone is going to go, and we will go round robin, starting with me first. My Pack It Up this week is to the frontline healthcare workers who refuse to get the COVID-19 vaccines. And thankfully, I will say, at the time that we're recording this, the Supreme Court has upheld New York State's vaccine mandate for healthcare workers. So that does mean that healthcare workers will need to get vaccinated in the state of New York. However, this is happening all across the country. There are dozens of protesters daily outside of hospitals that are nurses who are either on call or not working that day or they take their lunch break there that they're saying don't fire me it's freedom it's all this stuff 
Some of these are people who work in COVID units. <laughs> Some of these are people who work with children. Some of these are people who work with at-risk communities. And I'm saying pack it up to them, not because I don't believe that vaccine hesitancy is a real thing. It is. And it is something that nobody has fucking figured out, right? Like not any world leader anywhere. And with a 24-hour news cycle and social media, I think it's very difficult to, to figure out how to address vaccine hesitancy in something as large as this particular country and the countries around the globe. But when you read some of the things that they're saying, they're saying it was produced too fast. The vaccine hasn't been tested. It wasn't FDA approved right away. Um, my, I have antibodies because I had COVID before. Like, these are all things they're saying now that, like, people who are vaccine hesitant were saying in the very beginning. And a lot of those groups waited and then they got it. These people... <laughs> These people at this point, as healthcare professionals, are just fucking selfish assholes. <laughs> and it's not because, like, I don't think that they've done an amazing job, like, keeping people alive. But if you could knowingly get infected and then bring it into work or get infected at work and infect somebody else's loved one, it just goes back to the same basic principles that we've been screaming about since March 2020, that this is not about you. Your right to bodily autonomy and freedom over your medical decisions and what goes in and out of your body is not as important as 800,000 people dead. I'm sorry. If you don't look at all those people who are dead, all those kids without parents, and you're saying, I need to control what goes into my body and my body, my choice, and, and you can't force me to get a vaccine. Now, after the vaccines have been available, you're just as complicit as people who are outright vaccine deniers, as people who have perpetuated vaccine conspiracy theories. And you are certainly not a healthcare worker that I would want taking care of me or one of my family members. So pack it up to the frontline workers who are protesting, pack it up to the frontline workers who refuse to get a vaccine because you are willfully going into work with the chance that you could kill some of your patients. And this is not the flu. This is more than that. And if you don't know that by now, you're just a fucking asshole. So pack it up. Period. Onward. Co-signed. Or just don't be a healthcare worker. Yeah. Or quit your job. I mean, listen, like, I would love everyone to get the, like, the mandate of everyone having to get one. No one's going to come to your house and stab you in the arm with it. And people think that, I think. It's the same thing as like, don't go into a restaurant in Philadelphia on January 3rd when you can't any longer. That's fine. I mean, that's your choice to not get vaccinated. So it's their choice. And it's the city's choice to say, hey, let's stop spreading this thing. So like, you can stay home. Don't get vaccinated, but stay home. So if you're going to work in an environment like that, which we obviously need more people doing that, because I'm sure that people are quitting their jobs left and right because they don't, they're so burnt out and no one wants to go into this field. But like at the same time, I'd rather have not people in the field who could make the issue worse. So it's like, then just don't get vaccinated, but then find a new job. I mean, it's that's uh, that sucks because we need more people in those industries. But like, well, you're right. I mean, it's funny because last year, you know, all we heard was, oh, if you're afraid of getting sick, just stay home. And now like the same thing applies. It's like, if you don't want to get vaccinated, then just don't participate in society, I guess. They're weirdly not scared of, but they're not, there's, I know I agree with you, but they're not scared of not getting sick. They don't get it. I know, but I mean, it's, is, it's like, no, this, I know, yeah, I know the same, same thing, thing. but it's, it's like, 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 that that's a boggles my mind more. They're like not afraid of it. 
it. I don't know. You're right. We need people in these professions. We are pro-labor on this podcast, so we don't want anybody to lose their jobs for dumb bullshit reasons. But this is about society as a whole. It's about the community. It's about the collective. It's about all of us. It's it's not about, you know, I mean, individual rights are important, but there are exceptions to these things. If you're not understanding that this is a global pandemic and the dangers of the virus itself, then maybe I don't want you as a nurse helping me in a hospital because, you know, why are you in a career that relies on science and evidence to work right and 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 which is why i can't i can't grasp my i can't grasp the idea that these people don't understand that we're in a public health crisis like someone that works in public health and helps people helps the public with their health doesn't understand we're in a public health crisis which is different than like what paul mentioned the flu every year like this is a literal public health crisis that that's when it, that's when your liberties that they and call them and they're required to get the flu shot at most hospitals right and they do and they do and they do their liberties and not to be confused with Megan McCain's daughter is what you can't like, you, you can't, you can give that up for this. I'm sorry. You can, it's a public health crisis. And people have and had sure to get vaccinated to travel to other countries for years. Yeah. For all it kinds so of different dumb. things. It's because it's a, they, they don't, it's just, uh, I've had this conversation a thousand times, but it's like, they don't understand. It's, it's, a, it's a new vaccine. And someone told me today, the flu shot isn't a vaccine. It's a shot. I said, no, it's a flu vaccine. <laughs> We don't call it that. It's a flu shot is the flu vaccine. The COVID shot is a COVID vaccine. Like it's a vaccine. Like a flu shot, they're like, no, oh no, I read it. I read it. And someone was like, it's not a flu. The flu shot isn't a flu vaccine because it doesn't get rid of the flu. And I'm like, no, that's not that a vaccine doesn't get rid of it. Like you still can get the flu with the flu shot. It's just a fundamental. You don't get it as bad. I mean, our, our education in this country sucks for a supposedly first world country. And that and this is the product of it. I just, at this point, I think I am so pro vaccine mandate. It is unreal. But oh, yeah. I, the, but what's crazy is a lot of the people I know who are refusing to get vaccinated. I know restaurant workers who have fake vaccine cards. That's to say, I think that. You know, people at this point, if you were not vaccinated, then you are quite frankly unwilling to listen to anything. And I, it's unfortunate because I know people who are not vaccinated. I flat out told them I cannot see them. I have no desire to see them. If you don't believe in it, that is your choice, but not hanging out with you is also my choice. Um, if you're up to me, we would put them all on a tiny little island and then just watch them like pass each other polio or whatever but um unfortunately that's not an option so until then if there's someone in your life who is not vaccinated uh first punch them in the throat and then second when they're unconscious vaccinate them and i think erica there's an island open for that epstein island i've heard of it oh it was on it was on zillow i think i was perusing little saint jeff yeah it's ready to go we're off the rails. We're off the rails. Yeah, so we have a collective. I know the rest of you have a collective. And, um, we talked out. about them. What? We yeah, we all agreed on something, which is rare when you find a gay, a straight, and a. Um, I don't want to be offensive. <laughs> and a woman. <laughs> all agreeing on the same thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know what the issue is. I called her We're a woman. We're leaving that in. We're leaving it in. A woman. She's a woman. I mean, allegedly, she's a woman. So, <laughs> so we all agree to pack up um, the man we spoke about earlier, the man we spoke about all last year, the man that made us who we are. <laughs> that we honestly this means we can never speak about him again which means hopefully he'll just go away um which seems he might be in that direction with the news not that's happening been, that's been coming out but we're packing up donald trump and his toesies because he to the point earlier about this powerpoint slide he a few days after that or maybe a few hours after that i don't even know anymore but a few minutes after that had come out um i'm sure all of you have heard of this by now and if you're not you should have but around the text that came out Monday, this past Monday night, um, that were sent to former Trump White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows on January 6th, the day of the insurrection. Um, these texts from people urging him to have Donald Trump, then president, do something and stop this insurrection from multiple people, which we'll get into who those people are and what these texts read. But basically, it's kind of a bit of a smoking gun when it comes to whether those in and around President Trump were aware of the rising insurrection of that day and then the role that President Trump didn't play or you know needed to play. I mean, obviously, we all knew this was apparent that this was happening and we knew that it was a big deal, but it kind of the right or a lot of the right or, the you know, the Trump supporters and Trump's family and whatnot always made it seem like it wasn't. So there are now these texts from multiple people, um, one being from Donald Trump Jr., um, which I guess makes me a stand that he was trying to stop Donald Trump from, from um, continuing the insurrection or to stop the insurrection. He had said he's got to condemn this shit ASAP. Um, we saw stuff from Brian Kilmeade. We saw stuff from Lauren Ingram. We saw stuff from a few other pundits on um, on television that you that if you watch Fox News, you see all the time. But all of which the texts were kind of saying or blatantly saying this is hurting all of us. He's destroying his legacy. He's destroying the country. He needs to end this. He needs to go on TV. He needs to say something, which obviously we all know never happened. But it's um, it'll be interesting to see how these develop because. You know, there are people in his own camp that are very close to him and his own family members that were watching this happen and saying this needs to end. And Donald Trump, therefore, we know was told from people that this needs to end and he still chose not to end it, um, which will be interesting to see how that plays as this unfolds. And I'd like to extend this packet up to all those fucking people who did text Mark Meadows mm -hmm. and told him to end it and then publicly said the exact opposite shit. So like Laura Ingraham texted Mark Meadows and said the president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. And then hours later, she turned around on her show and suggested that Antifa was actually to blame for what happened at the Capitol. So all of these people like this must have been a big oh shit moment for them. Like uh, this whole PowerPoint and uh, you know, again, we can joke about it, and I think whoever created it or the people who created it um, were serious about it. Whether or not the administration was totally serious about it, we don't know. That's what the whole January 6th commission is there to figure out. Um, but I think that they were kind of, yeah, let's fuck around and find out. Like, I mean, you know, let's see what goes on. And and then I think they had a no shit moment and realized, oh, this is really, really bad. And this is going to make us look bad. And if nothing else, they realized there could be legal repercussions for themselves. But then as soon as they could in public, they they held the line and they kept spewing their bullshit. Yeah, I mean, Donald Trump Jr. still to this day says it didn't happen and posts stuff making fun of it and, you know, claims his father was the best president ever. Like, so I don't there's, yeah, you know, non -fucking I'm stuff. sure there's an oh shit moment happening right now in the Trump collective household where he, Donnie Jr. is getting his ass um, beat by Don Sr. 
I honestly wish that this is why I texted all of them when this came out. I was like, I wish Trump was still on Twitter because I would love to see his reaction to all of this. Like it'd be insane to see his reaction to his son publicly publicly coming out, his son texted him telling him to to end this shit. Remember when Ivanka Trump was supposed to be this great voice of reason and very early on she was kind of introduced as like the normalizer to Trump. Yes. And she fucking disappeared. I'll be honest. No one thinks much of any of Trump's children. But number one out of the two worst is the one who was the voice of reason. That shows you the depth of how out of pocket it was, like the whole situation got. Um, And I think it's, I love that it is now being publicly talked about and this, there's more of an open forum regarding it, but I think at the end of the day, it was too little too late. Um, there's not a single person who can be redeemed because of we've all, as we've all said, they've done absolutely fucking nothing. Um, and I think, you know, they're still fucking spineless worms. And I don't think any of this has changed any of my perceptions. Um, I think maybe it's shown how bad it really was, but I think, you know, Donald Trump is still a fat useless snake <laughs> i feel like you could have done better there uh, i was going to say <laughs> i was gonna say the only running trump needs to do in 2024 is on a treadmill but <laughs> <laughs> no not poor God. treadmill not not the peloton treadmill though i hope please nor actually give me a peloton the same one that the guy in sex in the city used and let's oh my he God. kicks we the bucket too. that the my pillow treadmill Um, (laughs) but yeah that's to say i just hope that at the end of the day donald trump and his army of idiots fades off into the distance and i think that that is probably unlikely but at least hoping for some accountability in all of this and i'm very curious to follow along and see whether or not we get that probably won't agreed I don't know that it's going to happen either, but I'm holding out hope. And I want to like pour one out for everybody who's really bummed that the federal loan payments are going to resume. And like, I do want to do a light packet up to Biden that I think we'll explore next episode. Um, That news really just kind of came out earlier today. But it's just like, when you think about our options, it's like, okay, yes, like Biden absolutely is reneging on this promise. But like, what is the alternative? If he doesn't get primaried, you know, which like that would be a lot for that to happen unless it happened with it with like due to his will. I feel for people. And I'm also like, God, the other side is so much worse. And there'll be absolutely no even cock teasing of student loan repayments. I just like, I don't know. Talk about blue balls. Well, anyone that doesn't want to pay their student loans, get a job. That's what I was told today when I commented on POTUS's Instagram about this few Tens of people told me that I need to get a job because I I commented saying he he you know he didn't follow up on this campaign promise and um, I'd like the world to know that I have a job um, I had a few at once and I can afford to pay my loans but I also can't and that's most fucking people so just don't be stupid like every fucking person who most likely has student loans has a fucking job to support their life but their mm-hmm. life is more than just student fucking loans yeah I have a job and a house and I can't because, pay my fucking yeah it's so fucking loans. like it's like Ugh, people are still fucking God forbid stupid. you have a car too like it's a like, car it's- you oh god forbid you put food in your mouth <laughs> god forbid you have to go to voyeur three times a week god forbid 
It's all those five dollar lattes. And wait, hold on. I want to say it's not like I'm not. That's all supposed to be off. Like it's not that like these people who are bitching aren't paying. Like I'm paying my loans. I'm still bitching about it. Like it's, it's I can afford to pay my loan, thankfully, right? But it's like it'd be nice to have that money to fucking have because like I'm not getting paid. You know what I'm, I'm not getting paid that much. Where it's like, oh, here go take take my take it on my loans. And I hate people that make comments saying you shouldn't have gone to college and you should know better when you were 18 years old. Nobody knows better at 18 years old. Maybe some people do. Maybe some people's parents are better than other people's parents when it comes to um, financial topics. But like, that is such a cop out. Like people, they don't, that even, is, they don't even trust us to buy alcohol. Or drink alcohol. Until or cigarettes. Like I can't even rent a U-Haul. Yeah, right. That's 25. What if, rent I, a car. what if I'm a lesbian at 18? What do I do? <laughs> Like, but seriously, it's like, we can't even like, like you can't even rent a car until you're like 25 mm-hmm. and that costs what a thousand dollars maybe for like a four day trip and then like, or a six day trip. And then like, but, oh, you can sign up for, you know, $120,000 in student debt. Like absolutely the logic makes zero sense of what they It starts when you're 16. I mean, people are like, Oh, you're 16 now. Have you decided yet what you're going to do for the rest of your life? Yeah, that's what is a whole your other be topic. Your degree. We could unpack that. I think at another time. But I agree, but it's like just the idea that that it's it's the back and forth of it is like, and then also is like just because I'm saying I, I don't want to pay it. I already said this doesn't mean I can't pay it. people. People pay it right, and it's just like, and also it doesn't. We're not saying we don't. People who have graduated college are saying we want our loans forgiven. I also want tuition to be free <laughs> not to freak anyone else out but like that it's not like i want mine forgiven and then just keep going through the cycle it's like no this shouldn't be a thing and like our colleges shouldn't be what they are at the very least they should not be as expensive as they are and sure you can tell somebody well then don't go to a private college or don't aspire to go to a better college but it's like okay well you tell me in high school if i don't go to this college then my life is fucking ruined which it's not but people get told that too. It's like, if you don't go to Ivy League or if you don't go to private school, if you don't go to this school and you go to that state school or whatever, like you're not gonna get that same opportunity, which is not true. It doesn't fucking matter where you go to college, but they're told all these things. Then they're also, then when they leave, they're told, okay, well, here's your $250,000 for your undergrad. Now go get your master's because it's useless to work without a master's. It's just, it's a constant cycle. And it may, and I want to know who the fuck these people are that comment these things of go get a job, what the fuck their life is, quite honestly. Like I, they, somebody commented like, well, if you're going to get your loans forgiven, then my Ford F-150 should be forgiven too. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like maybe you should have a Ford F. Is it even fucking called an F-150? I, mean, I don't even know. Andrew, is that what it's called? It yes. is. Sure. Okay, Good job. You. you did a great straight uh, cosplay. Thank you. Um, but that is to say... And all of this, because the whole thing is like you were 18 and you decided to get this loan for a lump sum of money. Student loans are the only loans that you will ever get approved for when you were 18. If I had a solid business plan and I said, I need $60,000, every bank is going to be like, either fuck you, you're not getting money or your interest rate is like 25%. So it's not like it's a matter of, we looked at all of our options and we chose to get this student loan. It was like, no, it was either get a student loan or have to find a way to get a job that is enough to sustain a lifestyle. And some people do, and that is fantastic. Yeah. But there's a lot of people who don't and college is the only option, especially those of minority communities where college is the only way that they can 
progress socially. So it's like, we have to stop pretending like we are given another option as a society, especially those in vulnerable communities. And the fact that Joseph Robinette Biden, that's his middle name, right? It's Girl, some, yeah, it's some bullshit. Kid, right? Okay, just making sure. Andrew, not, not you name shaming. Whatever. He didn't, he, first of all, he didn't run me my $2,000 check, A. <laughs> But there were so many promises that he made. We all know for a fact that by and large, his presidency was to the effect that of all the work that minority grassroots leaders put in their community to get people of color to the polls, and you've completely left them in the dust. And that is embarrassing and abysmal. And Trump was never going to get my vote. Biden was the better option, which I think was the case for the majority of us. Um, We're not blind Trump Republicans where we're, you know, unable to criticize our leader or whatever the fuck. So I am comfortable in saying, you know, Joe Biden, this week you can pack it up and probably next week too. Mm-hmm. But the, And also the thing is, there's still time you can do things the next few years, right? Like we're not, we're not giving up on Joe Biden here, which I think a lot of people start to do when things don't go their way. Mm-hmm. But Agree. But the scary thing is that in a year, we don't know where we'll be in the primaries and there may be less opportunity for things to happen that Joe Biden or we want to happen. So when things like this don't happen, that were promises, which a lot of campaign promises go unfulfilled. People say that too. They say all the time, like, well, you thought this was actually going to happen? It's like, well, kind of. I mean, like this, and that one, the student loan one isn't that crazy of one. We've seen so many candidates, Elizabeth Warren, put out great plans that like really aren't crazy at all. Like it is, it is not crazy. Like, yeah. We went to war for 30 million support. years. Total yeah, yeah. bipartisan support. Yeah. And this affects so it's everybody. Like, everybody. So it's like, it's not that crazy. It's something that very well could, could happen and be done. So just to wake up one morning and see that, oh, he's not doing this, but then he sugarcoats it with whatever else he did yesterday. Um, is just bullshit. And um, I would like to call out before we go, one other thing that someone commented at me was, um, and this is a legit one, but um, not to compare things, but it kind of puts it in perspective, I guess, but that she said, we can't even get voting rights, get in line, take a number. And I was like, that is true. I mean, we can't, like, that is another thing that, that, that still has yet to happen. So uh, there are other important things beyond just student loan debt. Um, but I think that is one that a lot of the comments totally on agree. that post were- I totally agree. Also, student loan debt takes, you know, 60 votes to pass or abolishing the filibuster. If what is to be believed that Joe Biden can cancel the student debt with a stroke of a pen, it's much easier to do. I would, I I do agree. And I am optimistic that he could do something throughout the, like, cause I, I think I have to be optimistic or else I'll just really hate politics in general. I have to be optimistic that he will do something in the future, that his administration will do something in the future. But I would hate to see it as a way to get out the vote in 2024 or tw- or late 2022 like that would just feel cold and calculated when you've had people pay now for a few months you know well that like, was the other issue he, he said it's well they said it's not happening and then they're like and see in february it's turning back on in february like it was kind yeah. of a bit of like a double-edged sword there but yeah it feels like it's like oh it could happen but mm, probably won't they waited till they were like shit we have to now turn it back on let's just say it's never happening and turn it back on right well anyway that was pack it up Pack it up, Joe Biden, pack it up, Donald Trump, and pack it up, frontline healthcare workers who refuse to get vaccinated.
Well, this has been another lovely and successful episode of Let's Unpack That. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you feel so inclined, please leave us a comment, a rating, a review. They really help us get uh, new listeners or share one of our podcast posts with a friend. Um, Obviously, you can follow me at It's Paul Warren. All of your podcast information is there. So thank you all so much for listening. And thank you, Kirk, Andrew, and Erica for chatting with me and unpacking a wide variety of topics tonight, all through the lens of Donald Trump and problematic white men for the second week in a row. (laughs) Talk to y'all soon.